Well, we have gone through over several weeks the book of 1 John, and, and I, I congratulate you on participating with me, listening attentively, hopefully reading it on your own, and, and diving into this book to see what the Apostle John had to say to us as it relates to how to live. And, and the resounding music that came from this, this message, this letter, was that God is found in Jesus Christ, we connect to God through Jesus Christ, and we connect to the people of God to show our connection with Jesus Christ. Our love for God is expressed in our love for God's people, and our love for God's people allows us to greatly experience the love that God has for us. And today he's going to finish this up, and we're going to hear his last words in this letter as it relates to what it means to be in the body of Christ, connected to Christ himself. We're going to be reading out of 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 21. If you could stand with me. If you're new, we stand as a way of reverencing the word of God. Uh, this is a, a long passage, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read it, uh, and, and we will agree in our hearts, and then we'll go from there. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray about that. All the wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that leads to death, does, does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we would be freshly inspired to cling to your son. That we would see Jesus not just as a, an individual 2,000 years ago through whom we can we can avoid severe punishment. But he would be the all-encompassing center of our lives, that everything that we do would be in service to our worship to your son, Jesus Christ. That as we consider, God, what it means to, to live out eternal life, that we would not try to divorce eternal life from the source of that eternal life, Jesus Christ. And that as we think of our own lives and, and the purpose for which we live, the, the meaning that we have in our life, Lord, that we would center our lives, our purpose, our meaning upon our Savior and Lord and God, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that with John, we would be able to say that Jesus is eternal life, that he is the true God, and that we would cling closely to him, both in easy times and in difficult times. God, I pray that you would write these words on our heart in preparation for the moments of suffering and, and 
affliction and pain that we might be having to navigate. Lord, I pray that these would be beacons of light in the darkness. They'd be sources of strength and grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can be seated. So in these last few verses, he, he goes off in some interesting directions. I don't know that if I had been writing this, I would have addressed the specific issues that he does, but, but if we step back, there's kind of a main message that he is giving us, and, and I would phrase it this way, that we need to cling to Jesus, who is the source of life and the Son of God. And again, at, at the end of the day, John is not a complicated writer. He's not... He's not trying to give us a 30-point message. He's not trying to give us every aspect of theology. It's, it's pretty simple. He wants us to cling to Jesus, who is the Son of God and the source of life. And, and we can look at this section and really, really break it out into two sections, the first being in verses 13 through 17, where he talks really about how we can have confidence before God in our prayers, in our conversations with him, in our requests to him. And then following that in verses 18 through 21, where we can say, if we cling to Jesus, we can have confidence for life. We can have confidence for life. Would it be nice to be able to walk through life confident that you were walking on the right path, that you were moving in the right direction, that you were making the right steps, that you were doing the right things? That no matter the circumstance, whether your circumstances are going well or they're going poorly, your confidence in your life isn't determined by how things are going in your life. Your confidence is determined by the fact that Jesus Christ is your life. How would you like to live like that? That would be the kind of life that's unassailable. The kind of life whose hope prevents us from falling into deep sadness because we know we have a deep hope. The kind of life that that inspires others to believe and to live differently, the kind of life that allows us to live with holiness because we know that despite what the world says and presents to us, we know that Jesus is our life. When we cling to Jesus, we can have confidence for life. First, let's look at verses 13 through 17. When we cling to Jesus, we have confidence in our prayers. So he he really begins to summarize this and he says, I write these things, I'm writing all of this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That's kind of the the beginning, and at the end he talks about eternal life again. I'm writing these things, John says, so that you can know that you have eternal life. Do you you question whether or not you have eternal life? We'll we'll look through this, this letter and consider the tests that I've given you. Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you love your church body? Do you attend? Are you participating? Are you growing in relationship with other people? Do you love God? Are you growing in holiness? Are you going from sinning more to sinning less? And while these things don't save within and of themselves, it's not loving your brothers and sisters in Christ that saves. We don't love as a manipulation before God to say, God, I've done these things, now you save me. No, because God loves us, the plant grows and it produces fruit, which is love and holiness. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that, he, that you have eternal life. You see, he had been talking to this people, and he's talking to us because there were those who had left. And who were those who had left? But those who did not believe in the name of the Son of God. 
He's writing, I'm writing to you guys. He's, he's putting a line in the sand and saying, guys, I'm writing to you who cling to Jesus. There were some who were, who were, they were flinging Jesus to the side. We don't need Jesus. But he says, you have eternal life because you believe in the name of Jesus. And then he goes on. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Ask anything and he hears you. How many of you guys were thinking, I want to pray for a Ferrari? Ask anything. No, he doesn't say that. He says, ask anything what? According to his will and he hears us. I've heard it said this way. You can go to Sweetwater, which is a, a restaurant down the road, and you can ask for a number of things, but if you ask for things off the menu, they're probably going to say no. Now, Sweetwater is very accommodating, so they might try to make it work. But if you say, you know, I'd really like the lobster. Sir, we don't have lobster. You can't ask for things that aren't on the menu. And, and John says, hey, if you ask anything, what? According to his will. And he's been spending... He spent five chapters laying out what the will of God is. If you ask for, God, help me to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I really struggle to connect. I feel insecure about being in a small group. God will help you. There is grace for that. We'll be launching small groups in September, and if you come to the moment where you say, I don't have the time or the emotional energy or, or the, the, the confidence to, to participate, a, a prayer that God will hear and then respond to is a prayer, God, help me to be willing to be in a small group. Help me to open myself up to relationship in a small group. That's a prayer that you can guarantee God will give an answer yes to. God, I struggle in this area. I'm struggling to forgive. I'm struggling to, to let go of this specific uh, offense that's been made against me. God, would you give me a forgiving heart? That's, that's a prayer that God is gonna answer yes to because it's according to his will. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Family, a lot of times our prayers aren't answered, not because God isn't listening, but because we're not asking the right prayers. We're not praying the right things, or we're not, we're not listening to him say, keep praying. Maybe the answer is yes, but not right this moment. Maybe, maybe the, the answer is in, in a in a a little bit longer. I need to bring you to a place where you're ready to receive the yes. But if you're asking according to his will, the answer will be yes. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked for him. Now that, imagine if we prayed with that kind of confidence. God, I pray that you would bring life and the gospel to my, my family member. God, I pray that you would give, give grace to my spouse. I pray that you would give me strength in my employment. And then believing that, imagine how that would transform us. Sometimes, again, sometimes we ask, but, but we don't get it, not because we're not asking the right thing, but we don't believe that we'll get it. John, or not John, James calls, calls that being double-minded. He talks about asking for, for wisdom from God. God, give me wisdom in the midst of my troubles. Give me wisdom in the midst of my pain. And, and, and God's like, well, I'm willing to. And we're like, well, I don't think you're going to do it. And, and God doesn't respond because we don't actually, 
At that point, it's not even prayer because we're not actually believing and talking to a God that we believe in. But here he says, if we will believe and if we ask, then we know that he hears and he responds. If we believe and we ask, he hears and he responds. As long as we're asking according to that will. And then he, he goes off on a bit of a tangent. And he says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin that does not lead to death, he shall ask God and God will give him life. To those who commit sin that does not lead to death. I'll pause there for a second. He, he cannot extricate himself from this orientation of thinking about our brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, if you were to go back and read the book of John, the book of 1 John, you would see that he has such a focus on, on the body of Christ, on, on fellow believers, that this isn't something that he, he has added on to his life. It's not Eddie's life and then these other things, one of which is church. No, he has, he has jumped into the pool of, of church family, and he, he's in it, right? His clothes are wet. He's in the water. This is, this is what's natural to him. And part of the reason that we find some of this to be difficult, whether it's loving our brothers, relating to God by means of our relationship with our brothers and sisters, is because it's so foreign to us. Because we, we are so quick to, to think of our relationship with God as, as this vertical thing and a checklist. Right? Like God is, is he's our taskmaster. He's our, our chore giver. You know, maybe you had parents and, and they gave you a list of chores and you checked off the list and gave it to them, and that was the extent. And then you could go do what you wanted. And that's how we can treat Christianity sometimes is, okay, God, I, I, I went to church, I tithed, I, I did what I was supposed to, I didn't sin, even though that person really, I could have said some things to them. Um, I forgave them, sort of. We're not going to keep the rest of the list. We're just going to look at those. I'm going to give that to you, and I'm good. And that's the extent of my Christian walk. And the rest of it, that's, that's my life to live. But, but John doesn't live a, he doesn't live a compartmentalized life. And so even as he's talking about, if you pray to God, he's thinking about what our prayers ought to look like, and he's thinking about the fact that you should be praying, I should be praying, we should be praying for one another. And not because Pastor Eddie says so, but because that's what, that, what's what wells up inside of us when we think about having a relationship with God. It's having a relationship with God's people. He's, he's trying to re... I think for us, he's trying to reorient us. God is trying to reorient us away from this Northern Virginia, probably everywhere, but I'm going to say it because we're here. Northern Virginia, kind of, I'm doing my thing, you do your thing, individualistic, siloed lifestyle. And it's so easy to live that way because it's really hard to, to live in relationship with people without a level of inconvenience in our own life. And, and we may not worship idols of, of silver and gold, but many of us worship convenience. And anything that, that smacks of inconvenience, oh, I, I can't do that. I've got to protect my work-life balance. I've got to protect my you know, my private time, my, and family, I'm not, you know, if you have to go to your room and have some quiet time, that's fine. If you need to have some alone time, sure. 
But when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, I don't know that he had a whole lot of time apart from like the 3 or 4 a.m. mornings when he was um, having me time. <laughs> and, and a lot of times, the time that he had me time, he was dead asleep because he was so exhausted. I, I look at his life and what I don't see is a life of balance as much as a life of passionate devotion. And when we think about what it means to be in relationship with others, sometimes it's going to feel inconvenient. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I recognize that. And it, it can be tough, but, but he's calling us to a vision of a life that is fulfilling. He's not just calling us to be inconvenient because he's mean. He's like, I want you guys to, to really hate this walk with God. No, he's saying, I want you to experience the blessing of knowing your brothers and sisters in Christ, of praying for them when you see them in sin and seeing God bring life to them, of being able to give the testimony to them. I saw that you were struggling in this area. I prayed for you, and now I see the grace of God in your life and the Holy Spirit work in you. And, and of being the person who receives those prayers and, 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 oh, great, that's why I felt the spiritual vitality to go from saying yes to sin to saying no to sin. That's a dynamic life that John is inviting us to. One of the marks of loving our brothers is praying for one another when we sin. You know what he doesn't say? Um, if anyone sees his brother or sister committing a sin, um, make sure you tell your, your small group leader. Make sure you tell, you know, get on the phone line. We need to get some people together and pray. He's not saying gossip. And, and we've all seen what Christian gossip looks like. He doesn't say, uh, give them a call and tell them how they're to live their lives. Now, there may be a moment to deliver truth, but, but his, first, his first instinct is for us to pray, not to, well, what you need to do is, is do this. He, he doesn't say, don't go to someone else. He, or he doesn't say, go to someone else. The first thing is to pray, pray, pray. And, and when we think about loving our Christian brothers and sisters, I would encourage you in sin and, and not in sin to pray, pray, pray. See what God would do. This is, this is unrelated slightly, but I remember being in college and, and I, I was trying to, to walk in, in relationship with God. So I, I remember praying, and you're in college, so you have time to do this sort of thing. Uh, not, not that you don't, but I'm not commending it per se, but... I remember praying to God and saying, God, can you just give me someone to, to, to encourage? And I heard a name, and, and, you know, it wasn't a spectacular message or prophetic word. You know, in seven days, you're going to go to Asia, and then you're going to, you know. I remember praying, God, please help me to be a blessing to someone. And I heard a name, and, and I called that person. I was like, hey, man, I just wanted to call and let you know that I, I think that God loves you. And I was praying, and, and I think he wanted me to tell you that he loves you. Oh, thanks, man. I just broke up with my girlfriend and, you know, college problems and blah, blah, blah. It's really encouraging. And there was something unique in that experience of, of having a relationship with God, but inviting God to let me be a conduit of grace for those in his body. That I would have never experienced that kind of power, that kind of unique revelation in that moment that I had the 
opportunity and the privilege of participating in what God wanted to do in this young man's life. And when we look around and we consider those with whom we have relationship, right? He says, if you see someone, not just if you've heard about it, not just if you, you suspect it. This is not, this is, again, this is not the gossip train. This is not um, the cynicism train. This is not, oh, I'm sure that person, yeah, let me pray for them because I know what kind of, no, this is, you're in relationship with someone and you love them, you care about them and you, oh man, I see that they're struggling in this area and you pray for them. And it, and it brings blessing, and you become a conduit of grace in their life. When we cling to Jesus, when we relate to Jesus to, in such a way that we invite him into our other relationships, we become a source of blessing for others, and we have confidence in our prayers. Now, he says this, this kind of strange thing, that I, and I don't want to skip over it. He says, uh, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leaving, leading to death, he shall ask God, and it will give, God will give him life. To those who commit sin, that is not leading to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. That's a weird thing to, for him to have said. And, and if you're paying attention, you, you might say, mm-hmm. what, what? What is the sin leading to death, right? Uh, God forgives all sins. I, are you saying that there's a sin that I can commit and I can lose my salvation? Are you saying that, that, that all of this is, is dependent upon me, once again, that, that if I do something, that I can, I can step outside of God's saving grace? I don't think that's what he's saying. He has been talking over and over and over about those who had left the church. And why had they left? Because they had denied Jesus Christ. And he's going to call Jesus Christ in the last verse, verse 20, or next to the last verse, verse 20, he's going to call Jesus eternal life. He's not going to say Jesus gives us eternal life. He's going to say Jesus is eternal life. And here he says, he says that uh, God will give them life if we pray for them. But God will not give life to those who reject life. If you reject Jesus, you reject life. And he's saying, I'm not saying pray that they receive life because they, they've rejected it. They, they, they've rejected what God has offered to them. Now, that is not to say, again, that, that one of those secessionists, one of the people who had left, couldn't get saved, therefore. But the saving that, that they would have received has to coincide with, has to happen as a result of them, what? Clinging to Jesus turning away from this belief that Jesus doesn't matter and then believing, no, Jesus is the Son of God. You know, we see that in the, in the picture of Judas and, and, and Peter, two disciples, two disciples of Christ, both knuckleheads, and both deny Jesus. Judas denies Jesus and betrays him. Peter denies Jesus three times and yet is saved. What distinguishes the two of them? It's not that Peter was better. We see a lot of places where Peter is, at least verbally, worse. More hard-headed, more arrogant, maybe less clever than, than Judas. But what, what, what Peter had going for him is that ultimately he, he, he saw Jesus for who he was. Who do people say that you are? Who do people say that I am, Jesus said to him. Well, people say that you're like John the Baptist or maybe Elijah, and then he, Jesus asks Peter, who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Son of God. Peter knew who Jesus was, and we can assume that Judas didn't. 
Judas didn't embrace, he didn't cling to Jesus. And so when he says this, if anyone sees his brother committing sin, not leading to death, he's speaking of, of any sin that isn't the sin of rejecting Jesus. But he says, there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying you should pray for that. There's, there's no point in praying that God would save people apart from Jesus Christ. You can ask God to, to save people, but it has to come through who? The one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And God will save them. But he's not gonna save them apart from Jesus Christ. So if you reject Jesus, you reject life. And there's no amount of praying that's gonna change God's mind that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no amount of praying that they can do. Man, I see my brother. He, you know, these guys, they probably had a relationship with some of the people who left the church. And uh, please, God, help this person. And, and John says, there's no point in praying for someone apart from that they would understand and receive Jesus. Do you understand the distinction that I'm making? I'm not saying don't pray for unsaved people. Please don't walk out of here and think that I'm saying that. Pray for unsaved people. Pray for people who have left the church. Pray for them, but ask that they would see Jesus for who he is. Ask that their, their eyes would be open to see that Jesus is the, what? The son of God. He goes on in verse 17. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. The sin that does not lead to death is any sin. And, and, and again, this is what gives us hope as Christians. Right? Family, there's not some... There's not some sin in this closet that if you open that door, you've been walking as a Christian for five years, ten years, and you step into the sin and all of a sudden, you're done. You're cooked. There's no hope. There may be consequences. It may be anything from hurting someone and having to apologize to, to going to jail or, you know, facing some serious consequences, especially temporally. But there's no sin that can separate you from the love of Christ. Now, if you don't love Christ, that's a problem. And that's why he's been laboring over five long chapters to say, love Christ. Don't disregard him. Don't disbelieve him. Cling to him. Because ultimately, when we cling to Jesus, we can have confidence in all of life. He, he ends with these we know statements. We know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. Right? He shifts from saying there are those who, who they've embraced this, this perspective that, that throws Jesus out. He's saying, no, but, but that's not you. If you keep on sinning, understand that, that God's grace is that he's going to make it happen so that you sin less. That is, that is the nature of, of you as a Christian. I, I, I talked about grass a few weeks back, and we, by the grace of God and some, some direction by some of the people in the AV team, have grown the grass. And, and the funny thing is, again, I, I, I put down, like it's, I think it's Kentucky bluegrass, I don't know. It's something. It's green. I don't know why they call it bluegrass. But it's green. And you know how I know that it's green? Because it's growing. I put it in the ground. Me, actually, me and my daughter, we put it in the ground. And we covered it in peat moss. And we've been watering it incessantly. 
I'm going to pay for this grass in water. It's going to be interesting to see what that is going to be, you know. Maybe I should have just bought some turf and just, anyways. But it's growing. And you know what's growing? is grass. Grass is growing. I don't have peach trees growing because I planted grass. And when we walk with Christ because we've received the gospel and the seed of the gospel has, has gone down in the soil of our hearts, you know what's going to sp- spread and sprout is Christ-likeness. And so he says, we know that everyone who's been born of God, everyone who's been received this seed that's been planted in our soul does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him. In other words, Jesus protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. That's, that's an amazing truth. You don't have to keep sinning to the degree that you're sinning. In fact, you probably shouldn't. And you should feel a level of strength and vitality to walk in holiness and to stop walking in sin. You should feel power from God to be able to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Now, this grass, it's taken a few weeks for it to grow, and it's, you know, this tall, this tall, you know, there are tiny little pieces that are just, it almost looks like peach fuzz on the ground. And sometimes our life is like that, and you feel like the growth is so slow. But family, there is going to be growth. That's the faith, that's the, that's the truth that I want you to grab onto by faith. If anyone who has been born of God, anyone who has been born of God will not keep on sinning, but he will be protected by Jesus and the evil one will not touch him. We know that. He goes on and he says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That one's less encouraging. We know that you're, we're from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. He basically says, guys, don't forget, don't forget the game. Don't forget the circumstances. Don't forget the, the reality of the situation. The world is not your friend. Maybe people in the world can be your friends, but the world as a system that is in opposition to God is not your friend. Don't act like it's for your friend. Don't get lulled into thinking that that the pursuit of riches or pleasure or anything apart from Christ is a good thing. We know this to be the case, that this world has fallen under the lordship of of the evil one and and really at, at odds with us. And he says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true and eternal life, right? He, I don't, how many times did he say true? Him who is true. We're in him who is true. Who is that person? It's the Son, Jesus Christ. He, he's, guys, Whatever those guys said about Jesus, Jesus is the truth. He is the true one. If you're in Jesus, you're in the true one. And the true one is Jesus. Who? Jesus. The Son of God. Jesus. He is the truth. Now, these things are self-evident on a Sunday while we're here, we're listening, and I'm speaking loudly at you. You know, I was... uh, when I was in like, I guess it was middle school, probably, maybe elementary, we went to, I think it was Luray Caverns, 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 it's a V, words, um, we went to Luray Caverns, and we were walking around in these caverns, in these caves, and at some point, they, were, they thought it would be fun to take a bunch of fifth graders and turn all the lights off, 
Now, thankfully, they gave us a warning, so they turned all the lights off. And at first, you're like, oh, it's dark. And then after a minute, you're like, no, but seriously, where there's no light. You know, this is not like your bedroom at night where you've got a little red light where your, your iPod is charging or you've got a blue light or, you know, there's, there's the, the edge of the window that you see because there's still light outside and your neighbors are partying and they need to be quiet. It's 11 o'clock at night, go to sleep, it's, I got to go to work tomorrow. That didn't happen to me. Um, uh, no, it was dark. It was the kind of dark that one of the facts they give us in the dark, gave us in the dark was, hey, yeah, if you uh, hang out in the dark like this for about three weeks, your eyes will go blind because they will just die basically from the lack of any sort of exposure. And you begin to wonder, what does it look like to walk in this kind of darkness? And I can tell you, I'm really glad that they turned the lights back on because I didn't know my way around Luray Caverns. I mean, if this was a survival situation, I would be like number three. You know, there was a guy who was number one, obvious number one, and I would have been number two or number three. What John has been doing in these last few verses, and really throughout, is, is giving us a mental map of what our life looks like and how to navigate it. Because the reality is there are going to be moments in your life and my life where the lights are going to go out. You know, you, you come into a relational situation with your spouse and you're like, I don't know what the landscape looks like. I don't know how to get out of this situation. I am in Luray Caverns and they turned out all the lights. What do I do? And in these moments, we need to hear the words of John. We know. We know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning. But my marriage is so hard, I'm so angry, I'm so bitter. It's so dark. I can't see. And there's God saying to us, but we know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on being bitter, does not keep on being unforgiving, does not keep on hating. That They're going to grow in love. That's, that's, that's something for us to grab onto in the dark. We know, he says, that we are from God and the world lies in the power of the evil one. God, I... I'm trying to make it work at work, and I'm being challenged. They're asking me to do some things that I, I don't feel good about. But, but if I don't do it, then I, I might not get the promotion that I need to get. And, and you know my situation at home, and I need to provide for my family. That's in the Bible, right, God? But we know, what do we know? That we are from God who provides for us, who cares for us, who is our ultimate source. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one that we're going to be tempted and tried and that our faith is going to be tested and be put on a fi under fire. God, I, I'm, so, I'm so disappointed with my life. I'm so sad. I'm so frustrated. I'm so hurt by what has happened to me, by what those people did to me, what that person did to me, how my childhood was. I'm so upset, God. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Family, you may be walking in the dark. Someone else may have turned the lights off. Most of the time in our lives, other people turn the lights off. Though if we're honest, we turn the lights off too sometimes. 
but you are not walking without a roadmap. You're not walking without a pathway. You're not walking without, call it what you want, call it a walking stick, call it a staff, you like Lord of the Rings, call it a glowing orb, you know, Gandalf in front of you. If you don't, forget I said any of that. A lighter, flashlight. We have not been left without a way forward. And ultimately, he says, we have Jesus. Cling to Jesus. John's question to us today, John's question over the last few weeks has been, do you know Jesus? And not in this sort of, you know, I learned about him at at a vacation Bible school and I know how to talk about him and yeah, he's a great guy. But do you have a personal relationship with this person, Jesus? Do you know Jesus? For John, all other questions are secondary and they all spring from that question. Are you participating in church? Well, do you know Jesus? Then you should be. Do you have relationships that are growing and vibrant? Well, do you know Jesus? Then you should be. Are you, are you overcoming sin? Are you overcoming the difficult circumstances of your life and, and the areas where you, you are struggling to, to walk in holiness? Well, do you know Jesus? Because there's, there's no hope apart from Jesus, but with Jesus, there's all hope because what he is, eternal life. Not like he's got it on his back, Eternal life is not some sort of carry-on that he brings with him. You know, eternal life is not, not a, you know, some, some dust that he sprinkles on you. Eternal life is not you going up to some cloud, playing a harp, getting wings, and, and just being like, oh, I'm a happy little baby now. Eternal life is knowing and being in relationship with the ultimate source of life and creation. And that's what God invites us to. Let's pray. Father God, I I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity for us to just hear from John how we ought to love you and love one another and how we ought to cling to Jesus. If you've never trusted in Jesus as your own Lord and Savior, today is the day. It's a good day. It's a good day to turn away from everything else you know to be sin. As John says, not to follow idols, but to follow Jesus himself. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you. If you're online, we'd love to pray for you. You can, you can click the link that's being put in the, the chat. If you're in the room, just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. All you want to do is pray this. Father God, I thank you that that though I am a sinner, though I am someone who has disobeyed the laws and the, the rules that you've knit into all of creation, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to, to bear the penalty for my sins, for my disobedience, the punishment for my disobedience, and that he rose again, defeating Satan's sin and death and offering eternal life to me. I receive that. And I thank you, God, that eternal life is your son. God, I pray for our people that we would be a people who know Jesus Christ, the Son of God and eternal life. And that it would be evident in our relationships with one another, one another and it would be evident in the way that we relate with the world. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Love you, family.